the uh, <coughs> approach on bringing in uh, is one where we are uh, encouraging creating or generating particular um, fields, sanctuaries, fields, um, matrices uh, of uh, factors that uh, attract skillful qualities to arise and tend to cause unskillful qualities to wane. So this is very much the uh, matrix of the Dhamma, the field of the Dhamma. It's not a particular point or system, it's a whole uh, cultivation of something sacred. Mm. With the understanding that uh, certain fields, the field of ethics, for example, the field of goodwill, kindness, compassion, and so forth. Uh, These are mental fields, or emotional fields, or heart fields, chitta fields. The field of the body, as an embodied experience that gives on presence and vitality. Mm. As these are brought into synchronicity, they provide a very firm and uh, alive and bright and organic, if you like, uh, matrix. And these tend to give little room for qualities such as harshness, frustration, ill will, um, regret, uh, greed, just because they're innately stable, steady and innately beautiful and in that the mind feels uh, relieved, refreshed, it uh, isn't hungry, it's not uh, desperate, Uh, it feels safe, therefore it settles, settles it becomes uh, a simplicity, Mm. Uh, quite a beautiful, cool simplicity Mm. and releases itself from these fevers and panics and despair and suffering. Mm. Uh, Now what this approach uh, uh, removes or doesn't uh, support is a sense of somebody doing it all. Somebody's going to get somewhere, somebody's not doing very well, somebody trying to uh, improve or get better than they are and so on, doesn't support that. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not a one-pointed thing. It's not, I, I do a certain, th- you know, I get a certain focus and stay with that. It's, it's like a, a kind of a, a kind of slow tour where you're gradually molding something like built, like molding a pot out of clay, you're turning something and just shaping it. And you realize that the clay itself has the ability to, to form a shape, you know, and it just needs careful turning and handling and beautiful things can arise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's even, it's even 
less form than that because in a way we don't even we're not particularly looking for any particular shape uh, just the sense of something that will arise um, and its quality is is cool its quality is is pure its quality is peaceful its quality is quite firm in itself now to give some specific yeah, examples just been touching into um, some of these frames of reference some of these fields and we stay just very obviously within this particular sanctuary the physical geographical area and we operate within that as if it is as it is a very blessed place mm. where certain values are held dearly and uh, supported and made efforts to support Qualities such as harmlessness, safety, uh, 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 kind-heartedness, generosity, yeah, uh, um, respect, uh, you know, that's there, that's gener- generated. And so we stay within that and in a way we will support that and as we support that we will receive the blessing of it. It's not some one person telling everybody do this or don't do that. It's like a, something that's arisen out of a consensus of what are the kind of conditions that most support uh, the broadest, you know, uh, um, profile of peoples who can who can practice them in this way. So there's a field there. It's built up, and every person who comes into that contributes to that and they support the field and the field is stronger and that and it, and within that we can then rest in something we don't have to you know keep having to make it work but it requires a certain breadth of attention to 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 bear that in mind and if you st- it's just bearing that in mind and staying within that then certain factors such as how to fix this, how to do that, how to make this happen, what are you going to decorate here, all that kind of stuff, doesn't have to happen. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. We don't have to hold it. We don't have to own it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of like a simple thing. Now, you know, also within that, uh, we're taking uh, precepts, that form, ethical form, uh, and not just the precepts themselves, but that in us which resonates with the very sense of propriety, conscience and concern, and uh, uh, concern for others and ourselves, concern for mutuality, yeah. and concern for uh, sense restraint, recognizing that people, human minds do lose it, lose balance through rushing out into the sense they lose their equilibrium they lose their poise so we're, we're aware of that I hope we're aware of that uh, yeah because it's generally it can be quite fun rushing out and then after the fun comes the tears <laughs> you know uh, and the overall result of the, that movement out through the senses well, even if it's not particularly, you know, evil, it's just that one is drawn out, one is interested, is that uh, 
we orient uh, and we take the sense, sense, world of sense consciousness as, oh, this is the real thing. This is where I am. This is, what is, this is, this is reality, this stuff. This is, in fact, is the reality. Yeah. And so this is the thing where you're going to find the most meaningful experiences. This is the real solid thing. Uh, now, given if that is the statement, what kind of uh, energies must eventually come in to that? Right? I want more of it. It's out there. How do I get it? How do I accumulate it? How do I make it last? How do I get a decent share of it because it tends to shift around a lot it tends to come and go so there must be some sense of i want to hold on to this get some hold it and some of that sense con- contact is distinctly unpleasant cold uh, sharp uh, painful smelly nasty yeah, so i want to protect myself from those so sooner or later those kinds of energies must come in to that and we all recognize that uh, in that realm of sense consciousness stuff is born and dies things come into being things fade things break down it's very changeable and if that's reality well that's not a in if you look at it like that it's not that great is it really <laughs> if that's it and what energies what energies and what ma- factors must sooner or later come in and be part of that however moderated they are <coughs> and for sure we can go into that and we can spend a life in that and we can manage it and we can feel this is what we have to do yeah and then death comes where did that go so well, that was that it's over now it's over now it's finished what was all that about? <laughs> uh? And even more telling, you know, if the realm of sense consciousness is the real thing, if that's the reality, well, who's this? Who are you? Who is the one who experiences the sense reality? Right? Are they, if, if they're experiencing it, they're not in it, are they? They must be a separate from it, experiencing it happening to them. Hmm? So who is it who's not in reality? <laughs> what kind of real being can step out of reality and look at it and feel pleased by it or disappointed by it clearly it's nonsensical you can't have a real being who's separate from reality so we don't call the sense realm reality you call it existence and it exists but it's not real in that it's constantly shifting and changing, it's very subjective, sometimes 
sights and sounds strike us as agreeable, and sometimes they don't, sometimes we don't notice them. Other people have different feelings about it. It's very, very mirage-like. This is what we call existence. An existence and there's reality. There is reality, but reality is this, here, mm. this is, uh, yeah. and you can't find it as an object, because you could find it as an object, you'd be separate from it, giving it a name, looking at it. So you can't see reality, you can't conceive it. Yeah. You, there's a realization that existence is like that, and you're cool about it. You know it for what it is. There isn't that pulling out into that. There isn't the tension around it. There isn't the investment in it. Yeah. And through the withdrawal of those particular energies and inclinations, there's the, the quality, the reality begins to become more grounded, uh, it's cool, it's uh, dispassionate, it's steady. Or we feel steadied by that. And it, but because you can't see it or hear it or name it or own it, it remains constantly traceless, trackless. This could seem very uh, frustrating. Yeah. This is why a lot of our, one of the uh, qualities of uh, our practice, practice that I'm presenting you know, in these fields, is the field of devotion. Uh, this particular energy, in which with the devotional senses, you don't really, uh, it's imaginative. Yeah. So we use the imaginative faculty of the mind to bring up image, awaken, purity, blessed, uh, uh, devotion. Yeah. These are gestures. Uh, uh, they're, they're like poems, they're gestures of the heart. Mm. And they're free from, if they're properly attuned, they're not beliefs in something. They're not trying to make something get something or repudiate something. Or They just generate a particular openness and brightness of heart a sense of safety, a sense of uh, blessedness. It's a kind of atmosphere, you might say. Yeah. And it's an atmosphere whose, whose uh, property is one of supporting uh, faith. You can be here without anything. You can be here without a plan, 
without without a goal, yeah. without a history, um, without a profile, um, without a project. And rather than that seeming like a complete boring nihilism, it feels quite bright, light and open. And uh, if that is attuned to, and it's also done quite carefully with a certain sense of precision, even though it's just the imaginative, it's like a painting or a poem, it's done quite sensitively through voice, through breath, through body, through images, building it up. It's done quite carefully. The measure, the rhythm, the tonalities all have this effect of creating a certain atmosphere which we hear. We both produce it and receive it at the same time. You can't chant without hearing it. Because you have to hear it to to get the tones right. And it happens automatically and you chant in a group. The voices start to find each other. They find each other. The sounds find each other and they harmonize. If you listen. Just don't have to figure it out. You don't have to say what key we're going to chant in. It just does it by itself. So it establishes, the, the beauty of it is it's, it's self-establishing. Yeah. And what we do is just set up uh, the elements of it. The words, uh, the shrine, the offerings, the gestures. Uh, something begins to unfold out of that. And certainly at first, like any, like many exercises, one falters, one's, what's this about? How do we do this? Am I getting it right? And which page are we on? And what's that word? It's a kind of stumbling. And then you get into it. It starts to flow. And uh, you do it over time. It becomes a particular, like a, you know, like a dance. You know, just there it is. And it unfolds. And in that, there's a certain... Uh, presence, awareness, uh, and, but the lack of self-consciousness. It doesn't have to be the most beautiful voice. It's just what it is. And it, the voices find it, each other. The sounds find each other and harmonize. Mm. And then you, you, you can't generate harmony on your own. <laughs> You know, it's got to be the coming together of separate factors, and that's the beauty of it. As the, the seeming separateness, like the two hands, find each other, then we experience a kind of harmony that is not me or you. It's where those qualities don't arise. Instead, there's just something harmonious that one dwells in. Now that's, you know, that's making a lot out of it, because I've done it for many years. 
But it's an example of what I mean, field effects. There are certain separate elements within that, but the sum total of the field isn't, it's how the elements begin to interplay and meet each other and find each other and something beautiful happens out of that. So this is where the, the sense, the s- separate subject begins to dissolve. There just is that experience and the separate subject begins to dissolve in that. <coughs> And chanting in, in a group is particularly useful. Um, because one recognizes that uh, the harmony arises through a number of different voices. And it means when you chant, you don't have to get every word right because someone else's voice will cover that word. You operate in terms of your breath. So you're breathing, when you take a breath, you just breathe. If you don't get to the end of the line, that's okay, because someone else will be covering that bit. So you can relax within that and uh, uh, and let your own your breathing find its natural rhythm and your voice find its natural tenor. And, yeah. and listen, keep listening to it. And when the chanting, the sounds fade, the, sa- the sounds subside into the silence. And you're listening to that. And you open to that. And you empty into that. Hmm? The silence doesn't have to be made anything out of. So really the sounds and the careful relaxing into the sounding prepares us for silence. Because it removes uh, a sense of isolation, which makes silence frightening. It generates a heart tone of harmony and uh, presence. So then we, and it generates a lot of listening to listening. You listen to the sounds, you listen to the harmony, and you listen to the listening. That's a field effect, because it's not a particular object, like one sound that you're focusing on. It's the domain of hearing. It's the field of hearing. It's a field effect. 
And the experience of that is generally something, I mean, most people would say there's a sense of that with the mind feels kind of open, um, not pushing forward, not turning back, uh, open, stable, receptive. And within that, one begins to be note or be aware of certain tendencies that can arise. What should I do? Or thoughts come up. But you have some sense of a, uh, a field that you can experience whatever the mind divulges within the domain of silence, within that field. And practice what tends to happen is that is there for a while and then something draws us in. Your mind gets that particular emotion, that particular thought starts to pull and we get oriented around that and we get glued to it and then the struggling occurs and, oh, you know, how do I deal with this? Uh, I didn't know I had it and I've lost it. And so then the self comes in. And the self, you begin to understand the self is associated with how do I do it? How do I make this work? Uh, a measurement. Uh, I was doing it okay, now I'm not doing it so good. Or... You know, you begin to understand this particular um, experience, which we call myself, as a series of programs which are associated with accomplishment, um, making something happen, uh, and self-definition. I am this, a definition. I do this, an agency. Uh, I, I will arrive at something sense of a being who exists in time, from this to that. Mm. Time bound, uh, bound to purpose, bound to agency, bound to self-definition. Yeah. But the definition, generally not, not that complementary. The agency doesn't quite work and the goal is never achieved. So try harder. (laughs) Just around the corner. So that's where it happens to, to my experience. It happens to, that's the way I sense it. Uh, just a reflection. And over time, you know, one does begin to ah that mm, that that one. Uh, Field effects. Mm. 
Another theme of uh, practice is the uh, this body or embodiment. Very, uh, and of course, the uh, you know, body can be can be many many different elements, different domains. So you have the visual body, body we see with our eyes, the primary one, very common form of body, visual one. But of course, the visual one is not the same as the thing you feel. Tactile one, is it? Completely different set of experiences. Right. Tactile body is not high, it's not short, it's not stout, it's not thin. It's a different set of references, isn't it? It's not the same body as the visual body. Right. You can't measure it in any, anything like using the same slide rule. You can't run the same thing over. It's, it's a different body. Right? And probably, you know, those are the two primary ones, but probably even more significant is the notional body. What I think I look like, <laughs> how I imagine I appear, or you know, the self body, right? Which is a notional body. It's generally a judged body, an assessment body. Mm. I'm old, I'm sure, and to this, I'm not enough of that. I know it's a a notional body, it's a judgment body, it's a mental body. And so you have a range of these, these bodies, and, uh, but the one that tends to dominate uh, is the notional one. Is that so? Does a notional body eat? What food does a notional body eat? <laughs> notional food. <laughs> how? How? Where, where is this notional body? It's in the mind, isn't it? So, how real is that? But doesn't it cause one a lot of, uh, isn't it the most impactful body of the lot? The notional one? Uh, Fabrication. Uh, An imagination. An inference. An assumption. Mm. So above all, uh, this phantom pain body, I think, is Eckhart Tolle's expression of it. This notional thing, this inference, this must be the one you really want to not keep fabricating. Recognizing it is fabricated, it it does not walk around on the earth. It uh, resides in the mind and the heart. There's no substance apart from mental agitation of some kind or another. And so when we come into the body, be just be aware that the notional body doesn't slip in there. <laughs> because it's the default that 
the mind operates within. And so very often, uh, you know, people have the notional body can be associated even with breathing in and out. We have an idea of what that is. And, uh, and we try to pin our attention on what well, the breath is something that you can, you can watch the breath as it comes in and out of the, the nose or the lungs. And of course you can't, you cannot see a breath. But the idea of seeing certainly has got an attractive pinpoint quality to it. Unfortunately, there's nothing to see. But you can experience some uh, uh, another field effect, which is the field of breathing, which is a whole series of elements shifting and changing, such as uh, pressures, uh, energies, feeling, sensations, uh, somatic resonances as breathing in and out occurs. And within that, as it comes into harmony, as that multiplicity of factors begins to be experienced as harmonious, the mind rests, settled, becomes one-pointed, settles down within that. There's no particular point, there's no particular sense object as such. There's a process of field effects. And uh, as we contemplate, as we bring our attention into, into body, knowing it as it is, we begin to just begin to take some of the language away of what we imagine a body is, what's really there, what do you experience. Pressures, I imagine, something we might call a sense of pressure or weight, solidity. Mm. Uh, warmth or loss of it. You can great. You can rec- generally there's some measurement of how warm or cool it is, some measurement of how firm or solid or hard or soft it is. Mm. Uh, some experience of some uh, rhythmic movement there. Mm. And somewhat more subtly, there's a sense of an overall domain of body. This is if the mind isn't particularly established or pointed at any particular feature, but just is, say, well, responding to the question, how do you know you have a body? You know, what is it that gives you the impression of body? You'll sense both these obvious elements, such as the sense of weight or firmness, the sense of caloricity, 
its absence or its presence, the sense of movement, vitality. Yeah. And the sense that all this is cohesive, it's all flowing together, it's all operating in one area. It's a it's like a, a field. This is in a cohesive sense. And if you'd experiment, you know, just with a, even with a sense of touch, which is probably your most uh, physical aspect of body, the touch sense, you know, the one that's distinctly associated with the body rather than the visual sense, this is going to be much more uh, germane to what body's about. You'll notice, say, if you just press your finger on something, you get the immediate sense of contact at that point. And you get something like a shadow effect of the whole body. What I mean by that, I mean you won't get a razor sharp definition of your ears or your knees, but you get a sense of, oh, there's that touch there and there's a there's something behind that. This relates to all of this. Something more vaguely felt, but there's a sympathetic resonance that, that's there. Hmm? If you walk, walking, you place your foot on the ground and you walk, you feel that tactile touch. And as a sympathetic resonance, the rest of the body knows oh, there's, there's where the balance is. Hmm? If it didn't, you'd fall over. So, although we might say, yeah, walking, you get the sense of the foot touching the ground as a contact impression there. Actually, if you're just aware of how does a body walk, you'll notice there's that pressure there and there's a sense of a sympathetic resonance of a wider domain. It's not visual, it's, it's not tactile, it's something, might say, energetic. We feel balance, we feel steadiness, we feel, oh yeah, something in us knows how to walk. So walking is a very obvious example of this synchronicity between a specific local point of sensation and an overall field impression of a body. This overall quality is called the water element because it's cohesive, everything is within that. And these particular specific sensations arise within this domain. Uh, And uh, when we are referring to body, then, uh, (coughs) you know, the basic hmm, introduction to this subjective, not, not seen as an object out there, but subjectively experienced, one is in this, yeah, one is, you know, one's immersed in it. It's this arisings of senses of pressure, touch, tactile, warmth, coolness. It's, it's, it's a flowing dynamic. These are called the, the datu, or the elements, of which there are many, but the, the four basic ones I've just elit- uh, enunciated. Earth, which is the sense of firmness, weight, pressure, that which which is able to resist pressure, 
receive pressure, mm, ground, uh, very steadying kind of experience, grounded, steady, receives pressure, sustains itself. And uh, (coughs) caloricity, fire, vitality, warmth, uh, this experience, and uh, air, that which which exerts pressure, which causes movement to occur, risings of pressure, flowing through, not just the, what we normally associate the, you know, air as, but the whole movement of, of, of energy through the, through the body, mm. subtle energy through the body, the air element, and then the water element. And the fifth one, space element, that is all embodiment, is experienced as enfolded in space. There's always space around us, otherwise we would be squashed flat. (coughs) There would be total pressure. You can't notice, you can't, it's basically a derived element, you don't really uh, pinpoint it but you're aware of this is where the pressure and the heat or the coolness stops. It subsides. There's a, there's a, ah. And that allows everything else to flow. Nothing is locked. Everything can flow. These elements, which themselves are uh, not fixed, they're dynamic, they're fluxing and changing. They can flow and flex because the space, otherwise they'd be locked solid. And when we lose space element, we do start to lock solid. We get tense, we get rigid, and the mind starts to get desperate and pushy. Mm. Struggling. There's no release button, there's no release area. And space is very significant element and there's the thing that allows things to play and shift and change. <coughs> and that gives the mind, or the volitional sense, the driving sense, the aiming sense, ah, oh, yeah. You can't, sh- you can't hit space with an arrow. So this is where the volition can, ah, oh, Oh, yeah, there's that. And yet, it is experienceable. So this is the field of the body. And rather as with chanting, first it's, what's this bit, there's that bit, and is this right, what's that really mean, have I got it there, is this okay, and, uh, and eventually just they, start to, they start to know each other. Yeah, they start to know each other, and they start to hear each other, and they start to blend. And what prevents them from blending is trying to push them into shape, 
or trying to get out of it or uh, not holding the entirety of it. So it's only in the kind of in the entirety of that those elements can blend. And so, so the space element is important to to hold, to be aware of, because that's particularly important for allowing the right kind of uh, measure. It doesn't get too intense. Uh, it's not forced, but we're certainly hold, holding the body in space. So this then allows harmony to be established. Holding it, how do you hold it? You hold it with, yeah. You hold it with goodwill, with kindness, with patience, with compassion, with equanimity. You hold it with another <laughs> set of field effects, which is the the field of goodwill. And you know all these we could go through the details of that uh, and that can sound like there's a lot of stuff there to to touch into, and of course, there can be an enormous amount of stuff to touch into. But you can do that because you probably remember where your car keys are, your aunt's birthday, um, your national insurance. Uh, you've got that. You're, you're handling zillions of bits of stuff already. <laughs> Normal, isn't it? But you're not kind of holding everyone into razor sharp focus at any particular point. I mean, one point comes to the surface, and the others are sort of, you know, potentials that are there that you can reach out to. This, right? What is the particular point that needs specific attention right now? Yeah. But you know, you know the names. You know, you know, you know, you know whatever it is, your car registration number or your bank account or your home address or your phone number or you know you've got enough for that particular purpose and then you don't have to keep thinking every single one of them constantly but they're there and when one is needed it pops up or one when it's being neglected oh keep, remember that one so this is the way you just keep the matrix properly held the fields and uh, essentially, <coughs> the theme is that if you, if there's suffering and stress, you drop one of them. <laughs> and what was missing? It may have been space. It may have been goodwill. It may have been embodiment. Yeah. It may have been a sense of um, self-respect. We may have got a little bit nasty about ourselves. 
So you, you know, take care of that piece and then return to this openness, holding the field. And if you're practicing for the embodiment um, domain, which is the domain the Buddha often said, you must never neglect this one. So the deathless is lost if this one is not cultivated. You don't realize the deathless except if this one is lost. So if you handle the bodily domain, the matrix of it, the factors of it, the field of it, what will arise within that, almost like the harmony that arises within the group chanting, what will arise within that is the sign of breathing in, breathing out. And I recommend that particular approach. So you you kind of set the ground, establish the place, and get the mind to the right frame of reference, the right state is. Where are you breathing? Is it happening? What tells you that? If nothing tells you that, fine. Then what tells you you have a body? You just, much more emphasis on the receptive. Mm. And so the receptive becomes stabilized and uh, appropriate, it's devotional, it's warm heart, it's, it's loving, it's balanced, it's not pushing forward in time, it's not dealing with notions and fantasies, it's open. As things settle, the breathing sign begins to manifest. And how that manifests for you will be how it manifests for you. It will have a rhythmic quality, an unforced quality, a suffusive quality, and it'll be steady. I'd recommend that rather than the, uh, say, 
establishing attention, placing attention on the breath, I would be, I wouldn't recommend it personally. Not to say that it should never be, you know, it may be work, but what I'm doing here, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, I would say that uh, because the act of establishing generally carries quite a big charge in it <laughs> as to who's establishing what and why and how they're establishing it. There's a lot in, under that, in that little word. Uh, and by and large, unfortunately, people's volitional tendencies, their way of establishing things, is very much infected um, with uh, performance, self-consciousness, achievement, getting it right, not getting it right, lots of unwholesome uh, and unconscious uh, um, energies. Energies that we've, we've uh, been introduced to in the way that we operate in our lives. Generally doing things is associated with doing it to get it done and doing it to get a good result and doing it because you are to be measured and assessed in terms of how well you did it. Now those those <laughs> attitudes are disastrous. <laughs> truly disastrous uh, and if you keep putting that into your body repeatedly it's going to be pretty painful <laughs> it's not a cooperative mode now if that's what's under that, in that word, to, to place attention. Yeah, attention is a natural faculty of, of mind. It's one of the, the inevitable faculties, attention. However erratic it may be, we always have attention. What we need to do is to get that little bird of attention to rest on something suitable. Now, if you create the right nest, and put the right food in it, that little bird's going to sit there because it likes it. <laughs> That's so you just build your nest. Build your nest, put the food in the nest with devotion, and may it be. <laughs> and your attention will. So, this is what creating the field's about generating the appropriate field and attention will find its way there. <clears throat> so I'd like to um, Conclude with some, just uh, lead through some uh, formal practice, and for this we'll begin with standing. <coughs> 